Good evening, everybody. I am so glad that you're here. Uh, I want to welcome everybody watching online. We're glad you're here, too. We'd love for you to jump in the comments and tell us uh, that you're here and connect with everybody. We're continuing our series on the road to Easter. Um, What we've been doing is we're on a road trip with Jesus the last week of his life. Uh, And it starts with the triumphal entry, which is Palm Sunday. Uh, And and he rides into Jerusalem on a donkey. You know, they throw palm branches out on the road. And uh, everybody breaks out into praise. And they start singing. You know, Pastor taught on this uh, two weeks ago. And uh, when I would read that story, I would always think, you know, uh, here at church, we plan everything. We plan, we coordinate, you know, we talk with the band, you know, if there's going to be music, if we're going to do a video, right, we plan it. Nothing just happens spontaneously. And I always thought, I wonder who planned the triumphal entry, right? Who got all those people together and said, all right, everybody go get a palm branch, cut it off, get ready. Jesus is coming. Somebody's on a walkie, cue Jesus, send him in. But it was supernatural. And I think it was so awesome how pastor pointed out that it was supernatural. You know, and Jesus had the 12 disciples, but many other hundreds of people followed him and were with him. So the disciples was this huge group. There was the 12, but there was a big group that followed them. They break out into praise and worship as he rides in on a donkey. And so on our road trip so far, we've seen the triumphal entry. We've seen where uh, Jesus cursed the fig tree. He says, no one will eat fruit of you again, right? Then he goes in and he clears the temple. He clears the money changers. And then uh, the next day they're going back to Jerusalem and he teaches them on the fig tree. It dries from the roots up, right? And it's dead and falling over. And the the disciples are like, whoa, you, you told that tree was going to die and it did. What Jesus is doing is he's going back and forth from Jerusalem and Bethany. And they're about two miles apart. They would, they would go up the Mount of Olives, which was kind of rolling hills that had olives on it. And it, the Garden of Gethsemane was in a section of that. They would go up and then they would kind of walk a distance and they would be in Bethany. And that's where Mary uh, and Lazarus and Martha lived. And he would go hang out with them. And then they would go back into Jerusalem. And some, some, so much happens in one week. So much happens from Sunday to just Friday. It's, it's amazing everything that happens. And I cannot begin, pastor said this, I cannot begin to teach on everything. I wish we could. I, we, we should have backed up about uh, four, four months and taken to teach on this. Here's what I want you to do. I want to encourage you to get your Bible and you go to Mark 11 through 15. Read Mark chapter 11 through 15, and that'll give you the last week of his life. That leads right up to the crucifixion. And so if you want to read all that and you want to dive into that, uh, you can do that through Mark 11 through 15. Uh, Weird question. Uh, I want to ask you, how many of you like doctor shows or hospital shows? Right, can I get a show of hands, doctor shows, hospital shows? If you're online, drop in the comments what your favorite doctor or hospital show is. Uh, Right, right, so, so, uh, Megan has recently found Chicago Med. Anybody watch that? Chicago Med. Anybody, anybody watch that? Right. Uh, Grey's Anatomy is an old one. I don't. Are they still making that? They've been making that since I was like two years old. Uh, is it still airing? Uh, and maybe if you're super, not super old school. I don't want to say that. Not super old school. But how many of you remember ER? ER with George Clooney, right? That aired in 1994 and went all the way to 2009. Right. That show was on forever. Right. But but we're. Obviously, people like doctor shows and cop shows because that's all that's on TV, right? Is it's either the hospital or the police, right? And you know what I hate about doctor shows is it's always worst case scenario, right? A kid falls rollerblading, sprains their wrist. 
They go to the hospital. Hey, we think I sprained her wrist. Well, we're just going to do some tests to be sure you're okay. They come back in. Your kid has a rare disease. Only 0.2% of the population, they have one week to live. There's no cure. It's like, who watches this stuff? Right? My life is, is hard enough as it is. I don't need this right now. Right? The only doctor show I could ever get through was Scrubs. And that's because it's funny. Right? Uh, it's not serious. That's a good one. Right? But... But it's always this worst case scenario. It's always terrible, right? People are always dying and there's no cure. There's, there's, you know, it's always, you know, get the hearse here because it's game over, right? Call Steve and get him down here now because you shouldn't even leave the hospital, right? And, and think about that for our lives. Think if we knew how much time we had left. Think if you could download an app and it would tell you when you're gonna die, right? Maybe you have 50 years, maybe 60, maybe 80 right? Maybe you have uh, a year, right? Nobody knows. We, we don't know. Uh, and, and think if you could know when you're going to die. And that's how Jesus lived his life. He knew riding into Jerusalem on Sunday, he knew Friday, I'm going to be on the cross, right? And, and you can think about, you know, what, what would I do? If you found out tonight, you've got one week. You've got seven days. Next Thursday, you know, you're going to go to heaven. It's all over, right? How would you spend that week? What would you say to your family? What would you do, right? What would you say? How would you live differently? Would you completely change your life? Would you tell your family what you really think? Would you quit your job? Would you not quit your job? Would you blow your savings, would you go on that cruise you always wanted to go on, right? And you just think, if I had one week left, I know I had seven days left, how would I live? And that's exactly where we're on, on this trip with Jesus. He knows how much time is left. He knows what, he knows the number of days he has. Let's bow our heads real quick and pray before we get into the word. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus. And Father, I thank you that as we dig into your word, that you open our hearts, Father. I pray that as I speak, it's not my words, but your words and that you speak through me. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's what's funny. It's not funny. Jesus has only a few days left. And you know what he does every day? He goes to church. He gets up every morning and he goes to church. You know what happens when he gets there? He's mocked, he's ridiculed, he's made fun of. I mean, think about it. you got one week left. Well, you know what I would do? I'm getting all the negative people out of my life, right? I'm getting me and my crew, right? We're gonna spend some time together. Think how he doesn't do that. He didn't tell Mary, Martha, Lazarus, you know, you're my family, we're hanging out, right? The disciples, we're going to build campfires. We're going to hang out in Bethany. Only those closest to me can get in. Everybody else has to stay away. I don't need no negativity this next seven days. Got a lot on my mind, right? I got some big things coming up. But he gets up and goes to church. And then like many churches, he gets hurt when he gets there. Right? Right? I'm preaching to somebody. I'm preaching to somebody. I know I am. Right? But he gets up and goes. And the Pharisees, they, they're, they're the religious leaders. They're like preachers of that time. It was very different than churches today. But Pharisees and Sadducees, they were like preachers. Uh, and they were like the Methodists and Baptists. The Pharisees and the Sadducees didn't get along. They didn't agree on everything. And so he goes 
to, to the temple. He goes there, you know, almost every day. Uh, it, you know, as he comes down the Mount of Olives, right on that side of Jerusalem's the temple. Boom, it's right there. Right, and they, they question his authority. You know, they're like, you're from the devil. They told him that one time, you're, you're from the devil. And they say, how do you do all these things? And, and he would tell them, well, where did John the Baptist get his authority? And they're like, well, we can't say God because then he'll say, why didn't we believe him? But we can't say he wasn't from God because then the people might kill us. Right? They were very political, right? And they're like, well, we don't know. And he said, fine, if you don't know, I'm not going to tell you. They ask about paying taxes. I would think Jesus would say, I don't have time for this. I'm not talking to you about paying taxes, right? We got bigger issues and bigger problems. They ask about resurrection. Now, not him raising from the dead, but everybody raising from the dead. The Sadducees didn't believe there was any resurrection, right? They disagreed on that. They didn't believe there was, right? Then they ask him about the greatest commandment. Well, what's the greatest commandment? That is the most religious thing I've ever heard in my life, right? What's the greatest commandment there is? And it's amazing to me how Jesus acts this last week. He's just like calm. He's chill about all of it. He doesn't seem in a hurry. He doesn't seem in a rush. He's not running back and forth. In the temple that they had where you would give, much like a box, and, and, the, and people would come in and give. And Jesus and his disciples go in one day and they sit and watch people give. And this is the famous story of the widow of two mites where she drops two coins in and Jesus says, hey guys, she's given more than everybody here. And it says many rich people came through who gave a lot. I would think, dude, you got four days left. Do we really wanna sit in church and watch people drop money in the offering box? That's what we're gonna do? But he's so calm, he's so relaxed, He's so confident and he's so sure of himself. I want to jump in in Mark 12, verses 18, with one of the questions that the Pharisees ask. And we're going to work through two questions uh, that they ask him. And so this is Mark 12, 18. And it says, Then Jesus was approached by some Sadducees, religious leaders who say there is no resurrection from the dead. So they didn't believe that. They posed this question Teacher, Moses gave us a law that if a man dies, leaving a wife without children, his brother should marry the widow and have a child who will carry on the brother's name. Right, and I told the married people, you're like terrified. If your husband dies, you have to marry your brother-in-law. That could be really good or really bad, right? And so, so this, is, this is what they were supposed to do. And it says, well, suppose there were seven brothers. This already sounds like a stupid question. <laughs> Right? Let's suppose there's seven. Why don't we just do three? Why are we going to waste time with seven? The oldest one married and then died and went without ch- children. The second brother, uh, you know, married the widow, but he also died without children. Then the third brother married, right? This continued with all seven of them. Even Mark's like, I'm not writing all that down, right? Just write. Then it continued, right? Uh, this continued with all seven of them, and still there were no children. Last of all, the woman also died. So tell us, whose wife? Will she be in the resurrection? For all seven married her. Now just hang on right here. Let's not go to 24 yet. I've been doing ground zero. We're in our 11th year of doing ground zero. That, that is mind blowing to me that we've been doing ground zero for 11 years. And when you work with teenagers, you can get a lot of random questions. Have y'all ever heard about the line? I know you have. The line 
imagine that, you know, from here across, there's an imaginary line, okay? And on this side, I do the right thing. But on this side is sin. And what kids want to know is, how close can I get to the line? Is it okay if I step over with one foot but bring this foot back over, right? Can I go a little bit and then not go to hell but back up, right? Right? And we get these questions like, okay, let's just say that I'm on an airplane that starts off knowing this is a stupid question, right? And the airplane goes, it's gonna crash, so we jump out. But accidentally on the way out, I drink one of the bottles of whiskey and I accidentally do some drugs and hit the ground. Do I go to heaven or hell, right? Where's the line? This is the type of question the Sadducees are asking. They're presenting this ridiculous question, right? And, and, and so verse 24, Jesus replied, your mistake is, is that you don't know the scripture and you don't know the power of God. Don't, don't miss that. He says, your mistake is, is that you don't know the scripture and you don't know the power of God. What's so crazy is, is these men had the Torah memorized, first five books of the Bible memorized. To graduate school, you had to memorize the Bible. Now, it was only the first five books, but they had to memorize that to graduate, right? And so he tells them, you don't know the scripture. It's like, dude, I have it memorized, but they didn't know it in their heart. And he says, you don't know the power of God. Verse 25, for when the dead rise, they will neither marry nor be given in marriage. In this respect, they will be like the angels in heaven. Now, this verse to you may be really good news because you think, man, when I'm dead, I don't have to deal with that person anymore, right? I don't have to go into, right? Don't act like y'all haven't thought that. You know, then, you know, you might be sad and think, well, I want to be married, you know, to my spouse in heaven. And and here's what I want to tell you. Whatever side of the fence you're on, he said, hey, you don't know scripture and you don't know the power of God. Okay, so he's answering uh, a dumb question. He tells them that, but I don't want you to freak out and leave and think, I'm not going to be married to you in heaven. Why even be married on earth? You know, don't lose your mind about that. Verse 26, but now as to whether the dead will be raised, he says, haven't you ever read about this in the writings of Moses? which is the Torah, uh, in the story of the burning bush, long after Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had died, God said to Moses, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. So he is the God of the living, not the dead. You have made a serious error. I love this. He's the God of the living. He is the God of the living, not the dead. So he's saying there is a resurrection, right? There is life after death. And, and, and what's so crazy is, is that Jesus has only a few days on the earth, and these are the kind of questions he's being given, right? This is the kind of things that they're asking. And you, you can jump in, in Mark 11, you can read all these ridiculous questions that they ask. And then what happens is, is they go to another question. And I mean, we're literally going to jump from 27 to verse 28, Uh, he's then asked a question about the 10 commandments. Verse 28, one of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the debate. He realized that Jesus had answered well. So he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Of all the commandments, which is the most important? Here's what you need to understand. Uh, Moses goes to Mount Sinai and God gives him the 10 commandments on two tablets, right? And it's the 10 commandments that the, the children of Israel were supposed to live by. Uh, But all throughout the book of Exodus and into Leviticus is other rules and regulations of how they should live. Uh, right, Right now I'm reading through the book of Exodus and it goes on and on and on of just different rules, different regulations, how to do sacrifices, how to build the altar, how to build the tent where the covenant of the ark, it's just super detailed 
of the way they're supposed to live. So here's what I want you to When he's asking this question, it's bigger than which is the greatest of the 10 commandments. It's a broader question than that. There's a lot packed into that question because there's a lot that God gives Moses when they're at Mount Sinai. It's not just, hey, here's the 10 commandments. Y'all go on your way. There's a lot that is unloaded at that mountain that he's given. So when he's asking this, he's asking a pretty big question. Verse 29, Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this, listen, O Israel. Now they're in the temple. They're in the temple having this debate, like if we were having a debate back in the coffee bar and he yells out, hey, here's the most important, listen, everybody. He says, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only God. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No commandment is greater than these. The teacher of religious law replied, well said, teacher, you have spoken the truth by saying that there's only one God and no other. And I know it is important to love him with all my heart and all my understanding and all my strength and to love my neighbor as myself. This is more important. Now, this is the religious leader talking. He said, this is more important than to offer all the burnt offerings and sacrifices required in the law. And that's all the book of Exodus and into Leviticus is where they talk about that. And he says that to do these two things is greater than all the sacrifices. Let me tell you, the Old Testament is full of sacrifices. That's all they did in the Old Testament was sacrifices. It took up a lot of their time. Realizing, verse 34, realizing how much they understood, uh, Jesus said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. You are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. I think it's crazy that that guy's like, hey, that's right, there's only one God, and I know I should love God with all my strength and all my might, and I should love my neighbor as myself. And Jesus says, bro, you're close to the kingdom. And that seems so simple. It seems like such a simple thing to say, but if you, even, even the Ten Commandments, you take the Ten Commandments, you know that everything in the Ten Commandments can be obeyed by loving God and loving others. You're not gonna murder if you love God and love others, right? You're not gonna steal if you love God and love others. You're not gonna disrespect your mother if you love God and love others, right? And so what Jesus says is the greatest commandment is love God and love people. The greatest commandment is love God and love people. It's the last week of Jesus's life. He's only got a few days left. As a Christian, I wanna pay close attention to what he says this last week. What's important to Jesus? Number one, he's in church. Two, he talks about giving. He talks about tithing. Think how that's big enough that it made it into the last week of his life. And then he's questioned with all these crazy, where do you get your authority, right? What, what, what if this lady marries seven guys and then gets to heaven? Who's she married to? And then they come to this question of what's the greatest commandment? And he says, love God and love people. Love God and love people. Now let's back up. Let's think about this for a moment. Let's put it in perspective in our own lives. We've got seven days. Next Thursday, we're all gonna be having church with Jesus, right? Obviously, hypothetically. But if I know from this point on, 
that I've only got seven days, would I love God any different? Would you love God any different if you had seven days? What would your relationship with God look like? Right? Now, to think of the other one, would you love people differently? Well, I think how with, with only seven days left, think how many things don't matter anymore. Right? Oh, I need to get the tires rotated on the car. That doesn't matter anymore. Right? I need to get some fertilizer on the yard. I'm, I'm getting behind. I need to get some fertilizer on. Right? We're, right? Those, I need to go buy groceries. We're almost out of milk. You're like, I got seven days. I don't need milk. Right? Hey, babe, how much money is in saving? Right? You think we should get a Roth IRA? No. Everything changes. And in those last seven days, would you love God any different? Would you love others any different? I think Pastor and I were talking about it this week. We were talking about this very thing. Would you live differently? And not a lot changed in Jesus' life the last week of his life. He did what he was always doing. See, I don't want to be in a place where if I got a phone call from a doctor that, hey, you have a year left, that, oh, my God, I'm going to radically change my life. No, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing because I'm loving God and I'm loving people, and that's what I'm supposed to be doing. I want to read a quote to you from the Lord of the Rings. It says, I wish it need not have happened in my time, said Frodo. So do I, said Gandalf. And so do all who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. All we can do is decide how we're going to live with the time we've been given. I would hope that if we had a week or a year left, that we, our relationship with God wouldn't change a lot. That we'd be right on track. That we're loving God with all our heart and all our soul and all our mind. And that we're loving others around us. Now, obviously, things do change and would change, right? But think about in one week, your life ending, and where would you go? If you were to die in seven days, do you go to heaven? And then are you certain you go to heaven? Right, I've had conversations with people and they say, well, yeah, I, I would go to heaven. I'm a good person. And it's like that, that is not the requirement to heaven. Well, you know, during that storm, I helped some people. I gave some people some money and some groceries. And so that, that is not a ticket to heaven. You're doing good things. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. No one can come to heaven without Jesus. Right? And in, in that story, one of the disciples is asking, how do we get to heaven? He says, I'm going somewhere, and you know where I'm going? And they say, no, we don't. How do we get there? Right? Thomas says, how do I get there? And Jesus gives directions and he says, he says, hey, I'm the way, I'm the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He says, I'm the way. 
The Bible says in Romans that you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you shall be saved. And you can be certain beyond the shadow of a doubt that you're going to heaven when you die because Jesus lives on the inside of you. If you would, just bow your heads with me and close your eyes. I wanna just take a minute that we have I want to encourage you, if you're watching online, to maybe try to get rid of the distractions around you. Just close your eyes right where you are, and, and let's just focus on Jesus for a minute. And I want you to think about, have you ever prayed that prayer? Have you confessed, and have you believed, and have you received Jesus in your heart, right? I have a vivid memory being eight years old at Vacation Bible School, and I got saved. I prayed that prayer. I know many people that have been to Discovery Camp with us and they can go to the spot in the auditorium and show you where they were when they prayed that prayer. And I just want you to think tonight, everybody here in the building and everybody watching online, can you remember that? And if you can't, I want us to be certain as we walk out of this place. I want to be certain as we end this service that you're going to heaven. And if your heart's just pounding in your chest and you think, man, I haven't done that and I want to, I want to be certain, I want you just to raise your hand. If you're online, just drop it in the comments that you're receiving Jesus. And if you're here in this place, just throw your hand up that you want to receive Jesus. Amen. Amen. We're going to, we're gonna pray a very simple prayer. I see your hands, I'm so proud of y'all. Amen, you can put your hands down. We're gonna pray a simple prayer. If you're online at home, pray this with us. Y'all just repeat this after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. And I believe that Jesus raised from the dead. Jesus, come into my life. I need you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would y'all give those a hand clap that raised their hands and those online that got saved? Amen. Amen. Let me tell you that the Bible says in heaven that they have a party when, when someone receives Jesus and that you can be certain that you're going to heaven when you die. And, and I believe, and, and we, we confess, everybody here has many, many, many years ahead of them and has long life and health as the word of God promises us. And that as we go out of this place, as we are on this road trip, that you love God and that you love people. Amen. Amen.